This episode is brought to you by our sponsors at Adult Time, the ultimate subscription platform for premium adult content. With over 55,000 episodes, 300 channels, and new releases every single day, it's everything you'd want in one place. And you can use promo code Bree Mills, that's B-R-E-E-M-I-L-L-S, to try a free week on us. Assuming you are 18 plus, of course, and you can discover how we do porn differently. Hi, my name is Bree Mills, and I am a porn director with a purpose. Now, throughout my career, I have covered just about every niche and I've created some award-winning films and brands along the way. But now, I'm much more interested in getting to know the real people behind my characters. And that's because I believe adult entertainers can be some of the most powerful role models when it comes to sex ed, consent, empowerment, and wellness. By asking the right questions, our community can really help people better understand themselves. So that's the mission of this podcast. Let's get up close. All right, Lily Bell, I've wanted to get you in this chair since I started the podcast. So thank you for being here. I'm excited. We have like worked in many of the same circles mm-hmm. and you've obviously been on a lot of adult time projects but it is the first time we are meeting in person at least in person on a set yes it yes is. Mm-hmm. um so this is like the best icebreaker yeah um i've heard you you know talk in interviews before and uh, i think you've got a lot of really interesting things to say so this this is a treat for me so thank you for being here cool yeah let me I'm a talker. You, yeah, well, I mean, I, I am too, and I try not to talk as much in this series, so it's good exercise. Uh, but the whole mission behind Get Up Close is uh, a new studio that we're uh, developing and, and launching this year, which is really focused on getting to know the the, the people that we work with uh, and really showcasing as much as possible, like, authentic sexual experiences. Mm-hmm. And for me, the most important um, aspect of sexuality is communication and and what you have to say. Yeah. So that's why I was like, let's make a podcast mm-hmm. about this. And here we are. Mm-hmm. So um, let's really break the ice. Tell me a fun fact about yourself. Um, I guess I'll go with something that I usually say in interviews. Um, I'm a big shark nerd. I really like sharks. Mm-hmm. I like learning about sharks. I like watching shark documentaries, you know, often because we have to fly from like Vegas to LA a lot. Uh, on Southwest, they will add new shark documentary episodes. Like every time I go, I'm like, oh, cool, there's a new one. So yeah. I like to learn new stuff about sharks. I think that's fun. What is it about sharks? Um, I don't know. I think it's the fear. I've always had a big, huge fear of sharks. So mm-hmm. I guess for me, it's just uh, learning that just kind of of the unknown and now I know Mm -hmm. so it makes me feel better like just knowing like like a lot of sharks that are at our shoreline that will bite us are juvenile sharks because they're young and they don't know what they're doing like Mm -hmm. most times when you're out in the open ocean won't happen as often Mm -hmm. but it still Mm -hmm. can it's funny because I I I was also like very preoccupied with sharks when I was younger Mm -hmm. it was just like the fascination of like this large predator that you know at least at that time i hadn't encountered on land Mm -hmm. um but shark week i assume is a is a big week in in your calendar year yeah for sure (laughs) 
And it was like every week could be shark week. You yeah. Know, you can always, yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite kind of shark? Um, well, recently I just learned about this new shark, uh, which is a shark that has learned to evolve onto land. Okay. Um, so I would always say tiger shark or bull shark. Uh, I really like those sharks a lot. But I, this one is called an emulet shark uh, because of its markings. It has like military emulet markings. But it basically has now learned how to use its fins to walk on land, which mm -hmm. I think is pretty wild. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's uh, okay. That's uh, there's a there's a actually a fantastic Netflix uh, series that just came out called Life on Our Planet, which is going over like the four billion mm -hmm. history of Earth. And there's a whole episode about you know the point at which an animals went from the uh, ocean onto the land. So mm -hmm. there you go. Um, they are they are coming together. Yeah. <laughs> what was your upbringing like? My upbringing was interesting. Um, I definitely had a kind of a tumultuous household. Um, I'm a double divorce kid. So my mom and my dad got divorced when I was about three. Uh, he came out as, uh, gay. And then, you know, my mom and my stepdad got together very quickly after that. So I was always raised with a father in the household. And mm -hmm. my stepdad and I were always very close. Um, and then they eventually broke up uh, or divorced finally when mm -hmm. I was uh, a senior in high school. But we moved like three to four houses because of their relationship. They were always, I was always mediate, mediating at a young age. Mm -hmm. That was always something I did. Um, yeah, my, my upbringing was just um, a lot of fighting. But at the same time, I also grew up upper middle class. I was very blessed, I think, growing up. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I was, I, I'm a grateful kid, I feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes when you're going through it, it's different than when you get some hindsight on your life as you get older and realize, oh, maybe it wasn't quite as bad or it certainly informed the person that I became. Right. Were you always uh, a mediator? Yeah, I guess I think I just started since a young age because I'd watch my stepdad and my mom fight and then I wouldn't obviously want them to fight. So I'd be jumping in and being trying to figure out, you know, and then it's just funny, like at the Exotica weekend that I just had in Jersey, I found myself in like four different situations where I'm mediating with friends and like trying. To, and it's it's fine because I like doing that and I'm an empath. But afterwards, I felt very emotionally drained because mm -hmm. I'm just like I was giving a lot, mm -hmm. you know, but also people need it. So it's one of those. Yeah. When you moved, did you have to do a lot of school changes as part of those moves? So we, bizarrely enough, they moved within the same neighborhood. Okay. okay. So like we were all, so it was three houses within the same neighborhood. They they had a legal separation. He moved to Texas. They tried to try again. Like we, I think we, they made up and broke up six, seven times mm -hmm. over the course of, since I was like three to 18. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it was a lot of sort of spinning around in the same circles. Yeah, and doing a lot of things like, what's that saying where you do something expecting a different outcome and then it's a point of insanity when yeah. you keep expecting it. Yeah, that is what I witnessed growing mm -hmm. up or mm -hmm. my mom just kept trying over and over again and I was like, this this isn't working, mm -hmm. you know? How did, um, especially when you kind of think about the origins of your own kind of identity and certainly like your own adult sort of identity as a sexual being, where, what are some of your earliest memories? Well, my dad has been incredibly open from the jump. I mean, mm -hmm. he always, you know, I went to a pride festival when I was eight. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, it just was always like that. You know, my dad never, ever concealed anything. Um, and it, almost to the point where then it obviously kind of upset my mom. Like I would find things and then I'd come home and tell my mom about it and she would be very upset. You know, there would just be <laughs> little situations like that. But also in the same time, like my mom was also very open. Like yeah. even though she was more sexually repressed, she was a very sexual person. I think just due to things that happened to her growing up and other traumas, it was very hard for her to talk to me about sex mm -hmm. in a way that was maturely or, or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But she would also be very free. Like we would go to Shasta Lake. I remember being four years old and there someone was recording like, you know, everybody. And my mom flipped her skirt up and was like, Shasta Lake, blah, 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 blah. And I remember being like, like Whoa. Ah! and I was sobbing. I couldn't believe my mother could do something so awful, you yeah. know, but yeah. it's like, she was just being free and yeah. loving herself. So one of the things that I, that, that drew me to you from having heard you do other interviews was, you know, growing up with a gay dad, especially mm -hmm. a very like open, maybe sometimes like slightly too open yeah. because I had the exact same experience. And I know that the first, the first porn that I ever saw in my life mm -hmm. was um, one evening I was watching The Little Mermaid. It was on VHS and I left the video in the cassette deck. And the next morning I went to go and and finish it. Mm -hmm. uh, and it wasn't The Little Mermaid. <laughs> it was uh, two guys on a motorcycle. Um, and uh, I remember kind of very sort of self-righteously, yeah. first of all, watching the whole thing. Mm -hmm. the, and I still remember all the details of the plot, but then taking it to my dad in sort of a self-righteous way and be like, how dare you expose this? And him laughing. And yeah. it's like the funniest thing. But we, yeah, we def I definitely grew up with like a lot of, and on the one hand, it it really helped me feel comfortable to be open, but um, it was also like a quite sort of no, no censorship of any kind household. So there were little black books oftentimes bringing, being brought out to be talked about. And, and uh, he had a strange collection of... Um, like Ken Ken dolls, yeah, yeah, okay, <laughs> Billy dolls, which people can look up if, if they want funny. to. But yeah, so anyway, so I, I, I was, hilarious. I, I, it's not often that I come across somebody who's had something similar. So. Yeah, no, my my dad and I, like he had, in San Francisco, there's like the Red Dress Gala where mm -hmm. everybody supports for HIV, and so I remember every year we would go and shop for a red dress for him, and so yeah. that was something that was like a, a part yearly, of the yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. We went to every every Pride. I grew up in Canada, so like every Toronto Pride. And, oh, cool. And back before digital cameras, he would take rolls and rolls and rolls of guys' butts that he saw like in- Oh my God, it's so funny. If I have my phone here, literally my dad just went to that uh, San Francisco BDSM festival, the leather Oh, one. the Folsom. Yeah, the Folsom. Yeah, yeah. And he sent me tons of pictures of guys' butts. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay, That's cool. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> now, we've, now we've got a, mm -hmm. a connecting point. Um, so, you know, with, within your kind of growing up with that, that sort of uh, mix of sort of openness and also seeing, like you said, your mom kind of overcoming some of her own mm -hmm. uh, repression and traumas, like how did, how did that sort of shape, you know, w w what are your earliest memories of um, sexuality in terms of like what you saw in media or pop culture, or how it might have influenced you? Hundred percent. I, I can think of a key thing. Uh, growing up, I remember I really loved the Pussycat Dolls. I really loved like MTV Music Video Girls. I loved the way they danced. I loved like all of that type of stuff. I mean, I I really was into just kind of like really intense feminization like figures. Like I just really mm -hmm. liked all of that. I loved how the Bratz dolls looked. And like a lot, oftentimes when I dress, sometimes I'm like, okay, do I look like a Bratz doll? Okay, sick. Then we can, you know, like it's, it's like one of those things. So I remember when I was uh, younger, I uh, had a big, big party 
and I remember everybody was in their pajamas and it was a nice party. We, we rented a hotel room and we had like this whole thing and all the girls are all normal in their pajamas. And I'm the only one like in my bra with my pajamas open, like posing in front of everybody like this, like pussycat doll style. And I remember seeing that later on, you know, when my stepdad showed that to me, my mom, my mom, and I, I was like mortified. I couldn't believe that. I was like, why wouldn't you guys stop me and say, hey, Lily, like, let's, but they viewed it as like innocent and cute and it wasn't anything that was bad. Mm -hmm. um, but I just always remember kind of doing things like that. I remember going on chat roulette when I was in middle school, like me and my girlfriends, we'd be like, okay, we're going to dress up tonight and flash dudes mm -hmm. on a, yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, but uh, we don't need to talk all about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's so so. You mentioned that sort of strong, like hyper feminine, but strong women were were kind of what you gravitated mm -hmm. towards. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? What's like the origin of that for you? I don't know. I I don't know. Like random things just pop into my mind. Like I always thought that like Eva Longoria and like Christina Milian were so beautiful. So when I would play mermaids in the pool with my friends when we were little, like I wanted to look like those beautiful women, like big boobs, small waist, like with the mermaid tail that was like that, kind of like the shark tail, sexy fish, you know, shark, <laughs> yes, yeah. uh, like, like that. Like I just, I think we, growing up, we saw figures like that. And I think I was like, that's a beautiful woman or something that you know, emulates a woman and I want to be womanly mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jessica Rabbit. I mean, there's so many different types of things like that that yeah. we see. Yeah. Yeah. Was, um, do you, what are your some earliest memories about self-pleasure sort of discovering yourself in that way? So I remember someone telling me that I can masturbate and I can, you know, put things inside me and they would make me feel something. But what's so interesting about that is they, they don't because mm -hmm. I'm, I don't come from penetration. I come from my clit. So, mm -hmm. you know, at a young age, I'm trying to shove different host household objects inside me and I'm like, nothing's happening. I don't mm -hmm. understand what's happening. Then finally, when I touched my clit, I went, oh, mm -hmm. that's, that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. But for so long, I didn't, I didn't know. I thought I was just supposed to be putting things up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's and, and was, um, uh, I know, like, I remember in my experience, it was like a good number of years before I actually had an orgasm and it was sort of like this eureka moment. Was that for you a sort of similar experience or was it something that came, no pun intended, fairly quickly? I don't really remember my first orgasm, which mm. is shocking. I, I feel like I should. I feel like one of my first orgasms, I remember having a lot of wet dreams. Like I would have like some of my in most intense orgasms I've ever had have been while I'm sleeping, which mm -hmm. I don't think I'm even touching myself when that's mm -hmm. happening. Have you ever had that happen? Not that I can, not that I can okay. remember, but do you remember what you were dreaming about the next day? Yeah. 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 Like I remember when I was growing up and this dream, I remember specifically, I had a dream that James Dean, the porn star, mm -hmm. which now, you know, but then I, uh, had a dream about him that he, uh, was a ballet teacher. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, cause I was going through ballet yeah. and I had a male ballet teacher and yeah. then that, that was that. So I remember always you know, having that dream. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Maybe <laughs> mm -hmm. something to like recreate one day as a ballet themed uh, fantasy. Mm -hmm. fantasy. Yeah. yeah, no, exactly. It'd be really, really cool. I have that kind of fantasy to do. And I also have like um, a ceramic fantasy, like, you know, like, like spinning ghost. on the wheel. Oh, spinning. Like, yeah, there yeah. Go. Like someone behind yeah. me, you know, and then it gets all messy with the clay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. All right. Well, we'll bank those for later to mm -hmm. discuss. Um, what do you think are some of the biggest myths about female sexuality? 
well, to speak about like what we just talked about with shoving things inside, like a lot of guys think that they can just have sex with a girl by just fucking her. Mm -hmm. And I always say this to people at Exoticas, like different conventions. I like to say to men all the time, if the woman is not stimulating her clit or anybody, if you are not stimulating the woman's clit, you're basically just a hole for you to jack off inside them. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. it's not really. And you know, 10% 10% of women or 50% they can come from penetration, but I would say that most can't. Mm-hmm. So it's so important to be hitting those pleasure spots. Yeah, yeah. Which starts by understanding them, which I think is a, a big issue that we mm-hmm. have where there's, because there's such a lack of, especially like positive pleasure focused sex education, you're sort of taught medically what happens, but otherwise you don't know, right? And then you're kind of left to just what you discover on the internet, which without context can be quite problematic. Yeah. Um, So like, you know, from, from those sort of from your initial exploration with your own sexuality, where you were kind of just trying to do what other people told you and realizing, Hey, this doesn't work. And Hey, is there something wrong Mm -hmm. with me to the point where you really started to discover what worked for you? What are some of like the... Eureka moments that you had that helped you along the that way, helped you along that journey. Tumblr. Mm, that you're not was the first a, yeah. person to Tumblr. That's so a big one. That R.I.P. Was, yeah, that was a big one that really opened my eyes for so many things. I mean, I started reading so many eroticas that mm-hmm. people wrote, you know, different clips and, you know, different uh, comment threads where people are talking about things, you know. Um, so that was a big way that I started to just learn about things mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. And then also uh, I started sexting a lot and talking about different things. Um, yeah. Yeah, I sex. I started sexting pretty early on. I really yeah. enjoyed doing that. But I also started doing chat roulette really right. early on. I think about chat roulette and I'm like, that was almost like my startup of camming because then I started camming and I right. remember being like, this is kind of like, yeah. Yeah, well, because like, that was all like spontaneous exhibitionism, mm-hmm. right? That was essentially what it was being used for, yeah. Huge, huge exhibitionist, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and um, was that the first time you sort of discovered that the exhibitionism was sort of a, a kink that you had? Yeah, I would say so. Um, I, but I didn't know it. Yeah. You know, it was more just like, oh, I like this attention. I mean, I'm a big, big attention whore. I like I like attention. I like I think it's fun. Um, and then, uh, you know, it's fun, it's fun to a point. Like then there's some times where I'm like, I don't want to be perceived, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, you can't pick it. It goes with like being the mediator. And also, yeah. right? You're going to put yourself in the middle of everything, especially if you need to diffuse things. Yeah. 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 Um, Rami, what was I just saying? What was well, that? you were talking about um, some of the big, like your own learning curves that you yeah. experienced from that, you know, starting off doing what you thought what you were supposed to do, mm-hmm. realizing it didn't work to the point where you realized what did work for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I guess I just really just started to learn my body. I would say I really started learning my body probably later on. I mean, I feel like I really knew myself sexually when I was like 19, but I didn't at all. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I thought I started to. And then, I mean, really like my biggest sexual journeys and all the things I've learned about myself have been in the last like four to five years. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I would say. What did you think you learned when you were 19? Um, well, I learned about some fun few things. Like I remember me and my ex sitting across from each other and trying slapping for the first time. Like I hit him and then mm-hmm. he hit me and mm-hmm. then we went a little harder and then tried like doing that more and more. And um, and then it got like, you know, like kind of animalistic. And then eventually we were having sex. Like we just tried so many different fun little things like that. Like we tried, you know, he bought me a Hitachi and tied me to a chair. And, yeah. you know, we did. I remember he also would get so upset, like 
He wanted to always make me come. He would do anything to make me come, but he'd be down there for like 40 minutes and nothing was happening and I wasn't able to communicate. Now mm-hmm. I'm really able to communicate. So I'd be like, it's just not working. But then I would go and masturbate alone. And if I was masturbating alone, he'd come in there and be really mad. And mm-hmm. be like, I want to help you. And I'm mm-hmm. like, no, I just want to do it by myself. And I always felt bad about that, but yeah. it's kind of like sometimes people need their alone time. Well, and like you said, the communication element is not, a, it's not a natural element. So it's something that you do need to learn and build confidence for, and there's no manual for it. So um, I can definitely understand why that would happen. Last night, I was just like, maybe I guess TMI, but not really because we're talking about sex, but I had sex with someone that is a civilian and I've been waiting to have sex with them and I was excited to have sex with them. And so when we did, you know, I could tell that they were very nervous Mm -hmm. and I could tell that they were in their head about some things. And so I just tried to have open lines of communication. And so I looked at him and I said, how do you like to come? Mm -hmm. You know, and then he looked at me and and he didn't really know what to apply back. And then afterwards he was like, I've never had anyone ask me that. Yeah. Ever. And I'm like, well, I it's important to ask, you yeah. know, but it also can throw people off in the moment because then they're like, oh, oh uh, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. It, 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 consent is such a huge part of how we work, especially uh-huh. in today's day and age. But we take for granted that it's something that in the civilian world is happening as equally, which which we know it isn't. Uh-huh. So on the one hand, it does sort of force that um, deer in headlights reaction, but they will never forget you. Yeah. Never forget that moment. And Mm -hmm. probably is going to be the catalyst for a lot of self-confidence and improvement on on their end. So Mm -hmm. like you set them on their journey. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Good. Okay. We'll look at it like that. We'll look at it like that. Yeah. uh, So uh, speaking of your your journey, Mm -hmm. um, tell me what led you into sex work. Okay. Well, I've always like we've said, kind of, I've always been into the sexual lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's something that's always been uh, just an eye catcher for me going to strip clubs and being like, I want to be that girl on the stage. I always mm-hmm. felt that. I've always wanted a bunch of people to kind of know my name and know me, but I didn't really know what for. Mm-hmm. And then now we're kind of doing this and I'm like, hmm, maybe this is what I was thinking about when I was younger. Um, but yeah, basically how it started is uh, I remember watching Tyra Banks mm-hmm. back when I was, uh, I don't even know, a long time ago, back when Spiegler took her to the Tyra Banks show. Do you remember this? And she was sitting there and they dressed her like a church girl. They made her wear ballet flats. And oh, they and Tyra was like, yeah. how, how do you feel, you know, having sex with that many people? Right. And she said something um, pretty profound. And even at her young age, she was like, you know, Tyra, what might make one woman feel empowered might make another not. And you are not the judge of that, Mm -hmm. you know, so I feel empowered. And I don't know, something that I remember watching that and being like, that's really cool. But also throughout my sex work journey, I've also realized that, um, and I'm a big advocate for this, sex work doesn't always have to be empowering. Mm -hmm. Sex work is just a job. Mm -hmm. And that's okay that Mm -hmm. it's not always stick it to the man and you want this money and you, you know, it's just a job and that's okay. Yeah. So I just want to say that. Yeah, no, no, it's yeah. a, a very, very valid. And and like any job, there's, you know, aspects of the job you love, aspects of the job you do because it's a job and aspects of the job that you're not going to do. And, you know, and, 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 and that's all very important as yeah. well. Um, who was the guest that was on the Tyra Banks show? Do you remember her name? Well, it was Sasha Gray. Sasha Gray. Yeah, it was Sasha Gray. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, not the, not the first time Sasha Gray has been mentioned as an yeah. influence uh, yeah. as well. Um, so it w- one thing that I'm always curious about, because I, I grew, I was a teenager in the era, like right at the beginning of the internet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for me, when I was a teenager, porn was like 
what you could rent when you turned 18 at the video store or right. for like a party or a joke or what was like under your older brother's mattress. Yeah. Um, so it never, it, it, the, it was always something that was very kind of like far away and distant. Mm -hmm. And, and I feel like with the internet and, and, you know, performers like Sasha Gray sort of for a generation of people are, are really equal to celebrities and role models. And, and did you find that like, it was sort of like it became a clear journey for you to get into because you saw who was in it and it wasn't so much of a kind of a, the vivid girls of old and like the kind of closed doors <laughs> yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. And I mean, I know we're not supposed to mention this documentary because it's one of our documentaries that our, our whole, you know, industry looks at as negative, but that hot girls wanted turned mm -hmm. on documentary, the one that featured Vanessa Veracruz, Bailey yep. Rain. Um, I remember watching that documentary and then going and talking to Hussey. Like mm -hmm. that was a key start of me. And like even when it was kind of talked about in a bad light and all of that, I didn't really look at it like that. I didn't look at it as that bad. It was still bad, but I guess I also just recognized what porn was in general and how people will also paint us. So I kind of just was like... I took it with a grain of salt and mm -hmm. I don't know. I, so when I met Vanessa Veracruz, she was a talent liaison mm -hmm. for Reality Kings. Um, and I mentioned that to her and she was like, I don't like that documentary. And I'm like, I know and I completely understand that. But a reason why I'm sitting here right now is is because of you in a way. Yeah. yeah. You know? So yeah. she did appreciate that. But yeah. 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 She's someone that we I worked with maybe 10 years ago quite mm -hmm. a lot. So yeah, good to hear that uh, that she ended up going into other areas of our industry that are super, super important. Yeah. Um, what have been, uh, since you, since you got into porn, what have been some of the biggest lessons that you've learned that you would want to share with others? Oh my God. I know, open the floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, there's so many. Um, always make your own first impressions. You'll hear so much talk about certain people and, you know, you make your own impression of that person. You know, mm -hmm. people always want to talk shit. People always want to say stuff. Unless you hear multiple things that are negative, like abusive or things like that, then obviously take that into consideration. But I think a lot of people will have their own opinions about people. Mm -hmm. uh, don't give anybody any money, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes. save your own. Yeah. Um, I think also just don't take everything so serious. Like I, I, I've, I've just think about it the past four or five years of how much I've stressed myself out and done all that. And really all the chips have fallen where they've are meant to, mm -hmm. you know? So I think I just need to calm down. I guess I would tell everyone else to calm down too if they're really high strung. Very good. Yeah. How do you prioritize um, self-care and sexual health within the work that you do? God, I mean, it has been a crazy turnaround with the last four or five years. Like I've never thought I could be so clean in my life, mm -hmm. like learning how to really, really, truly be clean. Like I thought I was clean before and now it's like I really take it to a next level. Mm -hmm. And then I also prioritize my sexual health in the way that I'm kind of like an athlete. Like now I've been icing my vagina. Like after I have a rough scene, mm -hmm. I will ice it just like an athlete would ice their muscle. And I swear that that's really helped me. Epsom salt baths. I use a lot of vitamin E. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of girls don't understand that they maybe use too much boric acid and that can be a detriment. Mm -hmm. Like you don't need to use it all the time. Um, yeah, there's, there's so many things to learn. Like uh, it's just insane. Yeah. yeah. One of the, one of the, uh, this is an area that I'm, I'm very interested in, um, particularly in how we can be able to provide more resources for newer performers in the industry. 
but the challenge is, is that it is so individual. Mm -hmm. So what, what, if we were going to tackle that, mm -hmm. what would be your advice, you know, to me in terms of like, how can we, how can we help educate new performers while still respecting that everybody is, is unique? This is another thing too, is, is like, you know, I think dental hygiene is very important. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of like something that I've realized is like, not everybody has the means to pay for dental hygiene and different things like that. But I think everybody can like tongue scrape and different things of that nature, you know? So I think that kind of needs to be talked about mm -hmm. flossing. Um, I, and I, it's all also just something where you're being considerate of your other uh, person, yeah. you know? Um, but I think sometimes the, those things to talk, to talk about can, can be a little dicey because you don't want to offend anybody. And, and um, But yeah, I think just an overall hygiene thing, just of what people need to know. And then also just an overall, like, I don't know, I've even been thinking about just like all these random things that come to my mind, like write down just like a whole book of what you would need to know with getting into the industry. Just mm -hmm. like so many, like to the soaps that you need to like the bank account that you might want to use or, or, you know, uh, what type of, you know, OnlyFans team, do you, you know, just different. I don't even know. You yeah. know what I'm saying? No, just I, like, I yeah. completely know that you like, like a, a real kind of resource for yeah. performers to know that it is eclectic, but here's like a collection of best practices that, you know, myself and my peers have, have amassed over these years. Yeah. I think something like that would be amazing. Something I always say is there's never, they never give you a brochure on how to do porn. So they when do you not. start, they just throw you to the wolves and it'd be really nice to kind of maybe have a brochure yeah. <laughs> and yeah. to kind of know like, Hey, uh, these things might happen to you or it could happen. Mm -hmm. and, but I think a lot of people just look at us kind of like, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like they, yes, they throw us to the wolves, but I think they think like, okay, you can learn on your own or they don't want to like freak people out. I, do, yeah. yeah. Or there's just a, the general lack of ignorance, you know, yeah. like, like, you know how you mentioned kind of you had, you've learned more about your body and how to take care of yourself mm -hmm. in your years in the industry than you ever had before. And that was from having to figure it out. And so I think that there's, you know, um, there's a, a people even even in our industry on all sides who just don't recognize the toll that it takes physically mm -hmm. you know or take for granted yeah. oh yeah like you sure you can you work a lot great mm -hmm. you know like maybe you shouldn't work as much maybe taking you know understanding your body and knowing when you need to give yourself respite 100%. and you know like w when not to and i think just the more that uh, performers themselves are open about Hey, here's the bag of tricks that I've learned. Mm -hmm. Oh, you've done that too. You've done that too. The more everybody's gonna be like, oh, tongue scraping. Yeah. Maybe that is something mm -hmm. I should put in my in my set bag. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, maybe that's something that we should provide on set yeah. or whatever. So I think I think it's just finding forums to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. I know with Adult Time, we just launched a new uh performer center section of our public site which is all about that. So we started with what to expect on our sets mm -hmm. in terms of like our standards and making sure that we can put that in all our call info. Right. We can, you know, ask the agents that we're working with to send it when it's a new talent, you know, and, and just as a baseline to start encouraging other videos. So mm -hmm. I think that's going to be something over the next year, couple years that we look to kind of beef that up with little information using the reach that we have with the people we work with to like, let's put out some of that material, that education. Yeah. Um, so I'm very, uh, the tongue scraping thing I had heard, but that's a very good one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, if you were a sex ed teacher for a day, mm -hmm. 
people would learn a lot, but what would you teach them? I would teach them uh, about herpes. I would teach them about different things that you have to do with a yeast infection. Um, I would teach about like fertility, like, you know, like how many days, like when you actually are fertile to get pregnant. Cause I Mm -hmm. think a lot of things when you get taught in sex education is like, well, don't you have sex cause you can get pregnant at any point. Well, the thing is, is there's only a certain window, you know, Mm -hmm. but there is other windows. And I think also when I'm talking about it, I'm not even fully educated on it. So it's almost like, I feel like more people need to know about that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. That's incredibly important. Yeah, no, 100%, yeah, 100%. yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think I would also sex ed. I would talk about like, well, and this this kind of jumps into a religion a little bit because my ex and I would get in an argument about it. But like, you know, he was Jewish, so he was circumcised. So that was the whole thing. But I think that there's a big shame sometimes with some men where if they're uncut, they feel ashamed. And mm-hmm. I think that that's something that they don't need to feel ashamed about. In fact, it's like the way you were born. Mm-hmm. And like, I remember my stepfather would say that like, you know, guys that are uncut is gross because they would get schmegma and different things like that. But I remember thinking like, well, vagina folds can get schmegma too but you clean them. That's mm-hmm. what you do. You cl- you keep clean, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think there's a shame around some men with being cut or uncut. Yep. And maybe that's a cultural thing or due to, you know, different things mm-hmm. flip factor in. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah. But, no, it's very true. Different what, things to, yeah. <laughs> what um, you had mentioned earlier, like, you know, how you had a recent experience where you asked somebody how they like to come and it was a eureka moment for them. Mm-hmm. Um sort of similar to, I think, the advice that we can give in terms of like sexual health and wellness. I think there's a lot of advice that we can offer the community at large when it comes to consent and the mm-hmm. importance of communication and sex. How have you seen that evolve over your years in the industry? Because I know you've been you've been in long enough to sort of see there's probably been a, a pretty big change. Yes, there has. I mean, uh, consent talks are something that is occurring on more and more sets uh, and they're taken way more seriously. And I think that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's also really good to have things written down in paper. Um, I also realized like, cause I had an issue for a while with choking. Like I wasn't able to get choked due to some trauma that I had. And luckily I was able to work through that trauma, which is an amazing, like mm-hmm. victory. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, with the two to three years in the industry where I wasn't able to have a hand on my neck, I noticed that I had to, um, initiate the yes and no checklist, because I think a lot of people without even thinking about it, just put a hand to the neck and they don't even mean to. It's not something like they're, you know, so I had to bring that up. And then I noticed as time went on, um, I didn't have to initiate the yes and no checklist anymore. Mm -hmm. People started to like, they were just there, which Mm -hmm. was really cool. Mm -hmm. I also think it's cool what you guys put in, um, you can check yes or no if you want to have off-camera sex or on-camera sex, you know, because um, there's so many things where, like, if a girl, you know, fawns out, like, the freeze, st- yeah. you know, fawn. And I fawn out a lot where I'm like, oh, that's fine. That's okay, you know, and mm-hmm. was it? No, yeah. but, you know, yeah. yeah. Well, it's a it's a consultant. Consent is a ever-evolving thing, right? So yes. we one of the, the, I think, the most valuable things that we've learned is because we have such because we're always reaching out as part of our aftercare program and really trying to gather feedback. Most of the improvements that we've made to our consent practices have come directly from getting feedback from talent based on experience. Yeah. And and trying as as best as possible with all of the nuance of sexuality, knowing that like when it comes to that conversation, like when it's a gray area, that means that there needs to be a conversation mm-hmm. about it. And I think one of the biggest gray areas is, you know, when the lights need to be changed or, you know, somebody needs to go to the bathroom, there's a break. Mm-hmm. What is happening? And for some, 
in that day, in that moment, it might be great mm -hmm. to continue. And for others, it might not be what they want. Yeah. But never like leave it up to you all to figure out. Yeah. That, that was definitely one of our big, big takeaways from, from doing consent conversations was all the moments when the cameras are not rolling mm -hmm. are just as important, if not more important, because, you know, um, you never want somebody to be in a situation they don't want to be in. So, yeah. um, what are your biggest red flags? Meaning of someone else or of myself? Oh, I mean, I'll, I'll take both. Yeah. Whatever um, you want to give me. <laughs> God, I, well, so I have a, a few red flags. Uh, currently right now, I'm actually, uh, I don't know if this is embarrassing. I'm in anger management. So I'm like currently trying to like figure out mm -hmm. myself and I'm a very reactive person. So I'm trying to like manage that mm -hmm. and uh, all of that. So I say my my red flags would kind of be my reactiveness for mm -hmm. sure. Um, I'm a very dramatic person. So I try to uh, reel that in. But a red flag that I would see on somebody else, um, just a lack of care or emotional depth, like just not being able to, uh, like, I don't know, for me, I know I need a lot of reassurance. I need a lot of emotional validation. I need a lot of consoling. And so if I see a red flag in someone that isn't able to provide that for me, um, that's a big no, no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting that that's what you're feeling internally when you've got that external, like I will solve, help solve everyone else's yeah. problem. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I feel you on that. But but I think it's important, like, you know, whether it's TMI or not, like, it's important to recognize when you need to do self-reflection. And yeah. most people don't. And internal versus external self-awareness mm -hmm. are not the same thing. Well, and so this is something I'm learning. So, like, everyone's like, you're super self-aware. I'm like, yeah, I'm super self-aware, but there's a difference between being aware and then actually doing something about mm -hmm. it. So now I'm on the working about doing something yep. about it. Yep. So. Oh, I mean, I think I probably spent the first 35 years of my life being incredibly internally self-aware. Yeah. You know, to the point where I I had a plan for everything. Mm -hmm. I had analyzed everything out. But then when you flip the switch and you're like, well, what do other people see when you're reacting this way? I had a, like, it was like 0%. Yeah. I had, you know, a lack of, of natural empathy or, or natural attack. And I've mm -hmm. been really working on that on my, on myself because it, you know, you, you get so far with internal self-awareness and it's important to also <laughs> see how other people are seeing you as well. Right. And, yeah. and, and help that to help you. Um, what, uh, within, within this, all the scenes you've shot and all the projects you've done, what are some of your favorites and why? Oh, wow. Um, gosh, I, I've done a lot of really cool projects. Uh, whew, well, one, okay, so one of the projects that I did that I got nominated for Best Leading Actress, I'm very happy about that one because I uh, just, I don't know, I play a crazy girl very well. So like when I got booked for it, it just like, it wasn't really a hard thing to have to like jump into. And mm -hmm. um, I also didn't really look at it as something that I thought was going to even be looked at as nominations. Like I kind of had fun with it and I just like mm -hmm. did my thing. And so looking back on that and I've had a lot of people come up to me and be like, that was really good acting. And I'm like, yeah, I play a crazy girl really well, I guess. Yes. It's just, yes, it just is easy. Um, no, but I, I loved that. I loved my gangbang this year. Um, what else did I love this year? my oh my big orgy thing that I did for uh, Climax where it was kind of like I was the center and then I got a bunch of cum on me and that was really fun mm -hmm. what else did I do this year um yeah I don't know I just kind of I mean I'm gonna be honest I had a really rough year medically this year mm -hmm. so I had a few things taken from me that was very devastating mm -hmm. which I'm sure you know about um so that was uh it was tough. So when I look back on this year, I'm a little bit negative Nancy, but I have to remind myself that like, I'm only human. I'm not mm -hmm. a robot. And 
I have to look at all of the things that I like I'm I should just be so I should shut up and be grateful for the things that I have been nominated for because I've worked really really hard mm -hmm. so you know it's just funny because I'm just I'm such a greedy person I'm like but then I could have but then I you know but that's part of the drive yeah which is great yeah but it also is like debilitating yeah, oh, you're yeah. like I want more yeah, yeah. there's a, a quote that I probably say to myself every day uh which is an Aristotle quote which is a, it in the it, it is in the darkest moments that we must must focus to see the light and so even if even if it was it had sort of short-term negative impacts it will get you where you're going where you're yeah. supposed to be going you know and, and yeah and it's you know you can always think at least i can I, i'll be able to look back on it soon mm -hmm. and um and it it you know I, i've certainly had those ups and downs as well and and uh it keep that quote keeps me uh motivated to keep going. yeah i'll remember yeah. that one yeah um what uh, looking ahead what what uh what are you kind of interested in doing next because you Regardless of anything, you had a kick, like a kick-ass year. You I did a lot of good projects. Yeah. So what's sort of next on the horizon? I did. I really, I did have a kick-ass year, and I, I com should completely uh, be 100% happy with that. Um, so with that, uh, I want to go even more. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, let's do more. Um, so I mean, I have a few things on my bucket list that I haven't hit yet. Mm -hmm. You know, and I really want to do that before I'm 30. I'm about to turn 28. So the next two years, I'm going to do quite a bit in porn. And then we're going to kind of see that transition when mm -hmm. I'm 30. Um, we'll see. Um, I really do want to get into like talent liaison work. I mm -hmm. feel like I'd be an amazing person for that. And I feel like because I'm a model and other people know me and just they would trust me, mm -hmm. you know, and um, I've worked in offices before. So I also know like that whole background. And I just feel like I could see myself eventually staying in this industry, obviously not in front of the camera, but kind of just seeing where I would go. Like uh, someone I always think about and I look up to is like Kylie Ireland, mm -hmm. you know, golden yeah. age. Porn. And then, you know, she makes all the sets for yeah. everybody. And you, you see Brett Rossi, you know, she was a performer and now she's a makeup artist. So yeah. you just see so many different types of people that still live on. But, um, we'll just see. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I it, it's, I think it's a, a really important to, especially with our community to create positive pathways for like any, like any industry, right? Career opportunities. And, um, I think when I look at, uh, across our different crews, the number of performer performers or performers that have transitioned behind the uh, Allison. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and so, yeah. um, you know, I think that there's a real, uh, tremendous value to that because mm -hmm. you'll always have a perspective that no matter how, you know, in tune or empathetic, you know, I, I will never have that perspective. Mm -hmm. And it's a it's it's a really important to make sure that perspective stays at the forefront of what we do. Yeah. Um, what interests you about um, talent liaison work, intimacy coordination? What makes what 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 would make you be really drawn to moving in that direction? Well, I met a talent liaison in France when I uh, went to shoot for Dorcel, mm -hmm. and her name's Sandrine. Mm -hmm. And uh, the way that she took care of Liz Jordan and I, she just went above and beyond, and she just was somebody that. I just was like, if I could do what she did for us to be like, she just made our trip just so amazing. And it was because of her in mm -hmm. a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I think being able to have that effect and, and it's a way to help people. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, and so that's what makes you sleep better at night is if you're helping people. And I just feel like 
I don't know. I want to see a transition for me and I don't know exactly what that will be. And when I saw that and I've met Vanessa, I just was like, that matches for me. And then also Casey, she's yep. the Dorsell talent liaison for the U.S. Yep. And, you know, she's someone I majorly look up to. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I just feel like it just fits for me. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. Uh, amazing to hear. And I think there's there's a good number of, of performers in the industry who have done the certification or are going through, you know, um, that path. So much like we talked about in terms of you learn by asking around and gathering best practices. I think there's a lot of a, a lot of peers in the space that that to talk would to. love to talk to. I know yeah. Avery uh, Black as well. Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, uh, and she just started directing for mm -hmm. us. So mm -hmm. again, seeing different opportunities. Of course, Casey. I think her first pro scene directing was with us as well. So yeah. like uh, very, uh, very, very in support of finding pathways. Mm -hmm. um, as I mentioned, the up close studio that we're we're developing this year is really about trying to shine a more authentic, intimate portrait of the mm -hmm. performers we're working with. How does that how does that vision resonate with you as a performer? Well, I mean, I think it's really cool to show things that are not just like, uh, you know, mommy stuck in a dryer or, you know, super glam or super gonzo. I mean, I, I really love like uh, just basically us naturally who we are. Mm -hmm. I think that that is really cool. Mm -hmm. And it's also kind of rare. S strangely, yeah, yeah, it, 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 I find, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's not, it's not uh, as much of a focus as it should be. Yeah. So, hey, we'll take, we'll, we'll take the opportunity in that yeah. case. Um, for anybody who's watching this, mm -hmm. sort of as my last question, uh, who might be feeling insecure about their own sexualities or not quite sure where to turn for advice, mm -hmm. what advice would you give them? I would say. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess my biggest thing is, is uh, there might be feeling a lot of pressure to like do something about it or feel like you need to. And I think one of the biggest things is, is like you'll go through transitions and phases and changes and like no one's putting you on a certain time constraint. Like when you decide and you feel ready to come forward and and dive into that, then you do, you know, and um, I think it's important to just not you know, try to reach out if you can to different people that you know and, and try to do your research. And um, it's just hard because I feel like I come from like a very uh, different standpoint because like when a woman is bisexual, it's almost looked at as like a glamorization or a celebration. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, oh, cool, girls kiss. Let's see that, you know, and it's not. And then versus a guy who is bisexual, that is looked at in a completely different fashion. Mm -hmm. um, like I have this theory uh, that there is sexuality is so fluid and there's just as many bisexual men as there are bisexual women. But because of society and how we haven't been able to allow that to flourish, we we haven't you know what I mean? Yeah. So I just feel like um, listening to podcasts like this is important so that you know that there's people out there that are like-minded like you, that, you know, if you're stuck in a town that you don't have people around you like that, you know, there are people out there in different areas that share those thoughts and the same mind as you, mm -hmm. you know, and you're not alone. Well, I appreciate yeah. your mind. Yeah, thank you. I, I've had a, it's been a real pleasure to speak with you. We could probably go on for hours and yeah. hours. I want to encourage you to keep using your voice because you have a lot of really important things to say. Thank and you. especially in the type of direction you want to go in, 
you know, you could be that person to help that new person coming in, sharing your good advice and, and all the stuff you have learned. So yeah. keep on that journey. Uh, we'll certainly continue to work on a variety of projects. Yeah. All right. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> All right, I just wrapped talking to Lily Bell. She's someone who I've wanted to talk to for a long time, pretty much since starting this podcast. She had a lot of really interesting things to say, and what stuck out to me was the fact that while sex work is empowering, it is also a job, and that's okay sometimes when it is just a job. We talked about the importance of self-care, even icing your private sometimes, and how she sees a future for herself within the sex industry, not just in front of the cameras, but working behind the scenes as an intimacy coordinator as well, which is amazing to hear. So I really appreciated this. If you appreciated this conversation, please make sure to support Lily, support our mission, support this podcast. You can do that by liking, by commenting, by subscribing to our channel. You can also find all of our social links in the description below. I really encourage you to check them out. We appreciate you giving us this platform to share what we've learned and what advice we have. And I guarantee there's going to be another good conversation next week. So stick around. Thank you.